Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Welcome to Radio Islam. I'm your host, Tariq al and we're broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM. And we are streaming at WCEV1450.com. If you are new to the program, welcome. We're on every day from 6 to 7 p.m. Central, coming to you from Chicago, Illinois. And you can keep up with us on social media by following and liking our pages, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You'll find us at Radio Islam USA. And also take a moment to subscribe to the podcast. You'll find us wherever you get yours at. We're on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, and iTunes, uh, and TuneIn, excuse me, and TuneIn. Uh, so subscribe, rate, review, and also stop by RadioSlam.com. All right. So that being said, we've given you all the contact info, info so that you don't lose touch with us uh, and you can keep up with these great conversations uh, and guests that we have on the program. Now, a recently, I should say recently, we talked with Chicago uh, reader, staff writer Maya uh, Dukmasova, and she wrote a piece entitled The Problem with Public with the Public Health Approach to Ideological Violence. And the piece examines the Obama era uh, domestic counterterrorism program entitled Countering Violent Extremism, which we simply uh, have come accustomed uh, to hearing referred to as CBE. And it looks how it's changed under the uh, Trump administration. And she quotes Mohammed Sankari, uh, who is a lead organizer with the Arab American Action Network. And he works primarily with the youth organizing program, YOP, which is comprised of 13 to 19 year old teens who lead a campaign to end racial profiling focused on ending law enforcement's policies of, of what? Surveillance. Um, but at this point, uh, I tell you all of that because we are fortunate to have Muhammad joining us on the line. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. Wa alaikum salam. Thank you for having me. Oh, it is a it's a pleasure. So, with regard to this article, just starting off uh, with this, when we talk about CVE countering violent uh, extremism, uh, what was your stance? Could you kind of relay what what uh, what you gave uh, to Maya? Because I'm sure. You know, she used some of it, maybe not all of it, but what's what's your stance uh, on that? What was your response? Yeah, definitely. Um, so the countering violent extremism program, as you just talked about in the introduction, um, it kind of goes back to the Obama era, and it was a program that was implemented um, by the Department of Homeland Security to say, how do we stop young people from, you know, quote unquote, becoming violent extremists, mm-hmm. right? Um, and they rolled out this program, which had uh, money for community organizations, and I use that term loosely, um, <laughs> as well as law enforcement agencies to collaborate to stop young people from becoming, again, quote-unquote, violent extremists. And so from the beginning, uh, we were opposed to this program, saying that this is – we believe that these types of policies are very thinly veiled programs – that really are, are um, really are programs that um, perpetuate surveillance, perpetuate uh, racial profiling, racism against uh, numerous communities in the United States that fall under kind of this broader Muslim community term, but specifically um, South Asian, Somali, and East African and Arab communities mm-hmm. in the U.S. Right. Right. Now, have you found in your own uh, in your activism, your work with 
um, with the organization, have you found that people are they're under under the wrong impression or they don't really uh, fully comprehend what CVE is, CVE is or the uh, the damage if you are a uh, if you're an opponent of it? Yeah, I think that in general, I think that, you know, there's a lot of the kind of acronym government policies, general everyday people don't necessarily know, right? Unless um, we're, we're in this world in which we're tracking it and, and looking at it and uh, organizing around it and against it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that in general, most of our community members probably don't know what CVE is and don't know what some of the other policies that we, we organize around are. And I think that they've just become really kind of insidious um, and even become taglines like the See Something, Say Something program, for example, right. um, which we see and hear everywhere, but it's part of a broader government program around reporting suspicious activity. And this is tied into this, what we, what we call at the AAAN, like the National Security State Counterterrorism Nexus. Mm-hmm. And this idea of see something, say something, uh, along with it, uh, people become predisposed to looking for a particular uh, actor. Uh, exactly. Um, so it, when when we say things as broadly as suspicious activity, what does it mean to be suspicious in the United States, in the current political context, in, in a society you know that has uh, has a lot of problems with racism and other kinds of bias, mm-hmm. um, and so. That's why we believe um, very concretely that these programs are very thinly veiled, again, um, programs of surveillance and, um, you know, institutional, institutionally racist programs that target minority communities. Mm. Uh, Mohammed, as someone who works with young people, um, do you, uh, is your contention that those who who are you know frontline who are working with uh, the younger uh, generation our, our young people that if they align themselves with CVE they really undo the uh, their intent or what we would imagine to be their supposed intent of working with them that the trust is compromised uh, or, yeah, or is bound one, to be compromised one thousand percent you know more than a hundred percent even I think that you've hit the nail directly on the head um, as people who are dedicated to working with young people, the most important thing is that we should put the needs and the development and the success of young people first and foremost. And uh, an advocate of a young person means that you do everything in your power um, to protect and promote that young person and not put them in a compromising situation in which their entire lives and the lives of their families can be ruined because of um, because you can get a couple thousand dollars from the Department of Homeland Security. Hmm. Now, is the work that uh, that you do with the youth organizing program, is that in response to CVE or is that simply in response to the uh, to, to the to the presence of uh, of surveillance and racial profiling that has already been in existence that has just been basically part and parcel of um, of life in the United States as a minority. Right. Um, so, yeah, our, our youth organizing program at the Arab American Action Network predates even the Department of Homeland Security as a department. Okay. <laughs> um, the AAAN has been doing youth organizing work since the 90s mm-hmm. as, the, as the Arab American Action Network. 
Um, and we've always had a focus on racial justice um, in our work because, you know, we work primarily with young, young Arab youth. But in addition to that, we also work with young black and Latino youth. Uh, we're located on the southwest side of Chicago, right on 63rd and Kedzie. Um, and so, you know, we're a home for all different youth mm-hmm. in the city of Chicago um, and the Chicagoland area. Um, and so our work definitely um, predates these new iterations of CVE and the Suspicious Activity Reporting Program and all of these other kind of programs um, because we focus on um, racial justice and, uh, and you know, uh, policy change um, to achieve racial justice for young people. Mm. Uh, can you talk to us a, a bit about the um, FOIA uh, process and trying to get government documents um, regarding uh, CVE and the, the the grant awarding process and, and all of that. Yeah. So um, the the Department of Homeland Security had opened up kind of a, a call for proposals, and people submitted proposals to receive money, and then they publicly announced who was receiving money and um, how much money they got. Um, and if uh, I believe that there's been two official calls for proposals that have come out through the Department of Homeland Security under the Countering Violent Extremism Program. Um, but what we are requesting is we're saying we want more. We don't just want to know, you know, the, the budget line of X group was given X amount of money and Y group was given Y amount of money. We want to know about what are the agreements that they're entering into with the Department of Homeland Security and the federal other agencies of the federal government. Uh, what are the reporting requirements as a result of getting this money? And what work did they apply to do under CVE programming? Um, and so we we working with this fantastic group of um, lawyers from the Community Activism Law Alliance uh, who have filed a number of FOIAs, and we've been stonewalled. Uh, by the federal government. And uh, it's not, you know, it's not, uh, what should I say, it's not unexpected because this is this is what the federal government does. Um, they don't like transparency. And so they've refused to, they've refused to respond to our FOIAs and grant us information and claim that they're exempt. Uh, and so we then filed a lawsuit saying that we demand a release of this information because it's in the public interest to have this information. Um, and now we're, they, the government responded to the lawsuit, and now we're just continuing through this legal process. Right. And, and they're responding, they're responding, uh, disputing uh, this idea that they're stonewalling your request. Yeah. I, um, you know, it's, in a in a different world, or if you could remove yourself kind of from the serious implications that these programs have on the lives of our community, mm-hmm. it's almost kind of comical. Um, so our uh, the in the lawsuit we talk about um, where you know the history of CVE. We talk about that it's a program that targets um, Muslim Arab and Muslim communities, and. The government, uh, in their responses, just in like the legal formality, they kind of go paragraph by paragraph, mm-hmm. and they just like they say essentially like disagree, agree, disagree, agree, disagree, agree. And so you know we'll have like a paragraph of of our political analysis, and they simply would write like um, we don't agree with this. And then the next paragraph will say something that's just factual, like the program was started in this year, and they'll say 
um, you know, will contend that this is accurate. So they, it was it was almost comical, you know, in terms of them just kind of going down and saying, like, we don't agree with 90 percent of this. We'll admit that the factual basis of this is when the program was started and this is the department that's housing the program. And we don't need to give this information. Mm. Well, let me ask this, and not to speak to anybody's intentions, but Mm -hmm. just as an individual, when you see, um, and responses have been different across the country with regard to Muslims um, who have been proponents of CVE, uh, but do you you think that there is a, that acceptance, it is is grounded more so in the financial uh, benefit or the... Uh, the opportunity to look like a, uh, I don't know, to, to look pleasing or look uh, cooperative to our law enforcement uh, when it comes to dealing with the problem, uh, the problem of violence, which is certainly skewed uh, in the way it's presented with regard to Muslims. Uh, because, mm-hmm. you know, as I spoke when I spoke with uh, Maya, you know, one of the things we talked about was the majority of violence that is taking place, you know, in the United States. It, you know, not, yeah, the great majority has been perpetrated by white Americans, white, white males. Um, So this, you know, the the focus is certainly disproportionately uh, directed towards uh, a a community that only makes up 1% of the population. Uh, That being said, do you think that, you know, is this a financial or is it a concern or is it simply trying to look like, you know, we're, we're with you in, in a way? Yeah. I I think that uh, both of those things are very valid. I think that there's, there's financial incentive for some. Mm-hmm. I think some are careerists, which are that they want to build their careers and public profiles off of these kinds of opportunities. I think there is this model men- minority mentality as well that, mm. that you just talked about. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think that those are, you know, those are a lot of the reasons as to why people um, uh, apply for these programs and work on these programs from community-based institutions or um, from representatives, quote-unquote, within agencies that are receiving this money, like the Illinois Criminal Justice Information Authority. Right. Now, what, what, has, been, what has been the response? And I, I would imagine, well, I shouldn't say I imagine, because I, I personally know that there's been, there's been some contentious debate uh, regarding it within the, the community uh, right here in Chicago. Um, you know, I've kind of set as a fly on the wall, um, mm-hmm. but, uh, with regard to that, uh, are, are those who are in favor, are they saying that the outcomes or the objectives of this particular program are hinged on law enforcement involvement? Because if we have organizations, you know, such as AAAN, uh, and other organizations that have a track record of dealing with Muslim youth, uh, across the country, particularly right here in Chicago, why would we need to have law enforcement involvement uh, to carry out or reach those uh, same objectives? Uh, I think that 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 is a great question, and that kind of underlines our our vision of the argument. I think that there is another, you know, I I think another piece of this is that, um, you know, so what? So what if law enforcement gets involved? So what if the Department of Homeland Security gets involved? And the so what is oftentimes based, again, on this false premise that, there is this crisis of young people from the Muslim community turning to, quote-unquote, extremist ideology and extremist groups. 
Um, I think that as someone who works with young people, I think that we have to have a much more holistic vision about the young people within our own communities. Um, and I, I will just take the, you know, I, I also think that it's important to note that there really is nothing that marks someone who is at risk or more willing or less willing to buy into kind of a violent or let's say terroristic ideology. Mm -hmm. um, class is not a marker. Uh, race is not a marker. National origin is not a marker. There are none of these things that we can use. And so the question then for us becomes, well, then what are we really basing these assertions off of? Um, and it's either pseudoscience, which is saying that, well, we can hopefully find a marker of how someone becomes, how someone turns to violence, or it's based on, you know, again, um, stereotypes that, that you had very eloquently mentioned before about who is violent and then what the reality of that is. Hmm. What would you say, and this might seem to be a strange, uh, <laughs> a strange way to ask this question, but uh, what would you say, uh, if there is one, uh, is the silver lining uh, in all of this, in, this, in the fact that we have, um, we have the, the, this CVE uh, debate uh, going on? Uh, is there is there a silver silver lining? And I have I have thoughts on this, but I'm I'm interested to hear if if you see if you see one here. Yeah, well, I I mean I think that part of the silver lining is that um, hopefully that people are getting their eyes open to what's out there, mm -hmm. um, what kind of policies are being implemented by the federal government, and how are they affecting the lives of our community members, and specifically the young people in our community. Um, I think that we uh, I think that we oftentimes talk about young people in a very abstract way of like, they're the future and blah, blah, blah. But what are we actually doing and who is actually investing in them? And what kind of programs are out there that are supposedly investing in them? And what are they really doing? Um, and so I think that this debate that's happening now in the community around CVE specifically is starting to raise people's awareness around some of these very important issues. And I think that it's also it's starting to really um, give people uh, in our community an opportunity to think through what kinds of, you know, what kind of role does the federal government play in our community? What kind of role do we want them to play in our community and specifically federal law enforcement agencies? Mm -hmm. And this is a very important debate, I think, that uh, that we need to be having. Um, and so I think if I was to say there was a silver lining, um, which is, again, you know, uh, you, you already gave me like the you already gave me the qualifier that it was a little bit of a stretch and I'll accept yeah. it as a qualifier. <laughs> but if I was to say that there was one, I would I would identify it as that. Hmm. Uh, as, uh, and it's interesting, uh, the location um, of uh, AAA and the work that you're doing over on 63rd and Kedzie uh, mm -hmm. and dealing with a diverse population. Uh, Arab, Black, Latino, um, so on. That this is also, from my standpoint, this is also mm -hmm. an opportunity to to recognize uh, a history, uh, particularly mm -hmm. when it comes to uh, the history of surveillance that mm -hmm. the uh, Black community, in particular, and it's also extended to the Latino community. If we go back to um, go back to COINTELPRO in, in particular. Mm -hmm. Uh, and look at that history. Is this? Have you found that our young people are now taking uh, are are they taking an interest 
in the, the history of surveillance and uh, and more importantly, seeing this as an opportunity to make sure that the surveillance that has become normalized, uh, particularly in, in these communities of, of, of color, uh, that it does not become something that is just accepted across the board with regard to being Muslim. You know, if I'm Muslim, I, I should just expect that I'm going to be under um, I'm going to be under watch. I'm going to be um, uh, some people are going to be suspicious of me that, you know, our young people starting to make some connections and see that this is a point where they can make sure that uh, what's been done in the past, that it does not uh, it does not become normalized today. Yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, I uh, definitely want to agree with a lot of what you're saying. And I, I think that uh, it, it definitely is happening with young people. Part of the work that we do in our youth organizing program at the AAAN is is. Uh, doing popular education workshops that really teach a deeper understanding of uh, policing and surveillance um, and repression, specifically political repression in the United States. And you mentioned so many important historical markers um, and programs like Council Pro, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we talk about, you know, there's a lot of talk around um, the, the idea of Islamophobia, the term of Islamophobia, or anti-Muslim racism, and um, you know we talk about a historical context of uh, understanding that Islamophobia started when they were Islamophobia in what we call the United States started when they were bringing Muslim slaves from Africa, right, right as an institutionalized method, right. um, or as an as an institutionalized thing, um, and understanding that long view of history is one piece. I think the other piece as well is understanding about how these, the continued mass incarceration, hyper-surveillance of the African-American community, hyper-surveillance and mass incarceration of the Latino community in the United States is connected to these counterterrorism programs. And that's really the heart of what the work that our young people do is, which is understanding how programs that are supposedly built to fight against terrorism um, how they actually manifest themselves in all of these different ways and then morph and turn into to feed into this mass incarceration, mass policing programs that primarily do not affect Arab Muslim Arab communities, right, in the United States. They primarily affect black and Latino communities in the right. United States. Um, and so that's the other core piece. And I think that I will say that I have you know, I'm never, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? I continually am surprised at how quickly and how astute young people are um, in our community at understanding these links and how willing they are to act on behalf and in solidarity of other people as well. You know, I, I guess that's the other part of that silver lining. Uh, yeah. Definitely. Uh, and let me ask this, with regard to the, the markers uh, that are being um, uh, that are being put out for folks when it comes to identifying uh, youth that are on the, you know, are at risk of becoming radicalized. Mm-hmm. Are the young people, uh, the young people that you're working with, are they aware of of of, of what these um, of what these descriptors are? And if so, does that, you know, do you feel like that puts them in a position where? The whole uh, the idea of teen angst that, you know, we just kind of take for granted that most of our teens 
uh, will go through. You know, they'll be moody. They will they will be rebellious. You know, there's just mm-hmm. you know it's just part of uh, the the maturation process. Um, are, are, do do they feel like somehow they have to be different, or you know, or do do they feel a sense of of being watched or being held to a different standard? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I think that what's interesting is that you know we have we have information based on how CVE programs have been rolled out mm-hmm. across the United States as to what different programs have used or different, you know, CVE theorists, if we can call them that, have used um, as markers. And, you know, they can range from, they can range from the you know, ridiculous to the absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> really, I won't say that any of, the, any of them are, are, I won't give them any more credibility than ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So things such as um, putting on the hijab, deciding to put on the hijab, a sudden in- interest in praying or growing your beard out, um, these can all be markers as uh, someone is on the path towards violent extremism. Right. Uh, and, you know, these, these are the ones that would fall on the, on the super ridiculous side, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that young people being kind of armed with this knowledge, knowing that there's this junk science out there that's categorizing them that way. Honestly, what I've seen in my own experience is that it really, um, it really pushes them to want to fight harder, to say that I have a right to, I have a right to live my life the way that I want to live my life or practice my faith the way that I want to practice my faith or associate politically the way that I want to associate politically. Um, and it makes them really want to fight harder um, to enshrine those rights and to change policies that are trying to infringe on those rights. Um, so I do have a lot, again, you know, I have a lot of faith in the young people that I work with because I feel that oftentimes the fear, and we can go back to what we were talking about, are this want to show that, you know, we're okay and we're the good guys. Right. Um, oftentimes young people don't have that fear, you know, <laughs> and it comes with partially maybe part of this maturation process of we don't always think about consequences, right. but the opportunity of young people not having fear and being will, willing to fight so hard for what they believe is right, I think is this great combination. Um, and oftentimes I've seen, I've seen much more in young people saying that this is ridiculous and we need to fight because these are just our rights, as opposed to I'm, I'm scared now and I want to change who I am. Right, right. So um, talk to us a bit, Mohammed, about what uh, AAAN has going on. Uh, you've got an event that's coming up this weekend. Yeah, so this Saturday we have uh, what we call our um, Cafe Intifada is the, name of the, is the name of the event. And it actually is a spoken word cafe um, in which our young people are going to be uh, performing all original spoken word pieces, mm-hmm. as well as um, the Arab American Action Network has a project with Arab immigrant refugee women. Mm-hmm. The Arab Women's Committee, they're going to be presenting a sketch, like a skit that they've written and put together themselves. We'll have a, some guest artists as well. It's just going to be a night of poetry and fun um, and art and really a celebration of our community and our identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's this Saturday uh, at 6 o'clock. And it's at Al-Nahda Center, uh, which is 10555 Southwest Highway. Okay. So, and that's in Worth, Illinois. Okay, 105? 55. 55, Southwest Highway. Mm-hmm. 
Southwest Highway, Al Nahda Center. Yeah. All right. That sounds that sounds that sounds great. Um, well, Mohammed, it has been a pleasure talking with you. Uh, how can folks keep up with uh, the Arab American Action Network on social media or uh, you know email anything like that? Yeah, so if uh, if people are old school like me and prefer email, <laughs> which is kind of funny to say that that's the old school thing now, yeah, um, they can sign up for our mailing list at a a a n as in Nancy dot o r g triple a n. Um, they can sign up for our mailing list there. They can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, our handles are just at triple a n Marquez M A R K A Z, um, and that's both on Twitter and Facebook. Okay. All right, Radio Sound family, we have been talking with Mohammed Sankari. He is a lead, organizi- lead organizer with the Arab American Action Network, and you heard all the stats, uh, the info about the event this weekend. All right, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with us, Mohammed. Thank you. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you having us. All right. Our Radio Islam family, we're going to take a short break, but we will be back in a moment. This is Radio Islam on WCEV 1450 AM. <laughs> 